Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we're committed to resourcing people in worshiping God and serving others meaningfully for community transformation. Here is the week's teaching. We are continuing with our series. Church begins on Monday, which means uh, we live our lives out, uh, God-filled, Christ-like lives out every single day. It's not the whole Sunday thing. And so we are going through this series where we are redefining our vision and our mission because we want to be able to follow Jesus closely. Is that all right? Amen. Some people are stuck in the love zone. Let's come here. We are t- it's now Bible time. <coughs> and so we are committed to this journey as worship harvest of following Jesus. Even when that means changing a few things in how we operate, our commitment is to follow Jesus because Jesus is Lord, is the Lord of our lives. Amen. So, we, we are going through this, and last Sunday we started by talking about our ethos. Remember that? Up, in, out. And we said... Wait for it. Wait for it. Oh, oh, oh. And he said, for us to be truly followers of Jesus, we must focus on these three relationships. We looked at Luke 6 where Jesus spent time with the Father. So we also, if we are going to be more like Jesus, we must spend time with God. I like to put it this way. If Jesus needed to pray to do what he did, Moses needs to pray to do what Jesus did. Does, does that make sense? It's not a case of, I'm be Jesus. Come for me, he needed to pray as for me. I just show up and, no, no, no. You will not have the kind of fruit Jesus is asking us to have if we don't have that upward relationship. Does that make sense? So, upward relationship, we spend time with the Father and then the in, which is discipleship, we grow our relationship with one another, uh, loving one another and challenging one another to grow in the character and competences of Christ. Does that make sense? And then out, we grow in our relationship with the world in that our influence in the world. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So we are carriers of life. But we, the carriers of life, must go out there where the life is needed. Because sometimes we are just too much in or up and in. So, up plus in minus out. So, relationship with God. Yeah? Woohoo! We love you, Lord. You love us, Lord. And in, lots of fellowship. What? Studying the word together. Without reaching out to the world, up plus in minus out creates a cozy church. Do you want to be a cozy church? Cozy like. You want to be a cozy church, worship brothers? Good. Now, up. Plus out, minus in. Creates a chaotic church. Everyone's like, the Lord has spoken to me. I'm doing this. People are doing different things. There's no accountability. So you start creating chaos. That's chaotic. In plus out, minus up. So we have all the strategies, we have all the plans, mission committees, services, what, what? Without involving God, that's a carnal church. You want to be a carnal church? You don't. So it has to be up plus in plus out. 
That's what gives us a, a Christ-like church. Last week, you all did this exercise. I don't know the results you found. I don't know if anything has changed since that time. One of these days, we are going to try a different teaching method. We teach the same text for like six months until there is what? Change. We are not yet there, but I'm saying it's coming if nothing changes. So, we did this and then uh, people got different results. Some people had only stick. Like, I have no in, no out, just like two up. So we are saying that, that that's the kind of church we are trying to become. These people are not saying anything. Can you see this thing? You're supposed to shout out and say, we can't see what you're showing. So what, what we, what we, the, one of the ways I put it is, up is where we get it. We get it from God. You can't get it from me. We preachers are simply here to tell everyone where the bread is. We are not the bread. Does that make sense? <laughs> so you get it from God and you grow it through discipleship. Discipleship is what helps you grow. Many people have the illusion of growth. It's just an illusion, but it's not real growth. You, you have this assumption that I'm reading my Bible, I pray call, mainly in crisis, I'm therefore growing. It's like people who watch football and they feel fit. Right? Am I, am I telling the truth? Like, by the end of the match, they even wear the jerseys. Arsenal supporters, you have news in your sector this week. Uh, I'm praying for you. Anyway, uh, they even wear the jersey, and, and so while the match is going on, there is a certain. Your brain is created to get you to feel active while watching TV. Even though you are not playing. That has only registered with a certain group of people. Let me try something else. Have you ever, have you ever gone to the cinema and you watched uh, uh, um, an action movie? Huh? Have you ever watched an action movie in the, in the cinema? Yeah? Mission Impossible, that range. Yeah? By the time you come out, uh, you're feeling like Tom Cruise, you feel like you can drive that car in reverse. You can drive on the wrong side of the road. You can even drive on two wheels. Am, am, am I saying something? Because you've been watching it, you sort of now feel like you also can do it. Of course you can't. So what happens to a lot of people they come to services like this and then as you watch the minister do what they do, preach, pray for people and all of that, they, you, your brain starts telling you that you, you can do that stuff. Now, of course, in Jesus' design, all of us are supposed to what? To do that stuff. But you can't do it by just watching someone. They have to train you. They have to show you. They have to, just the way Jesus trained his disciples. Does that make sense? That's discipleship. You people. You are here. You are with me. So you get it up. You grow it in. And you give it out. It rhymes, doesn't it? Get it up, grow it in, give it out. Perfect triangle. Do you know that the triangle is the most stable shape? That's why trusses and other uh, structural things they have, 
triangles. You see all these triangles all over the place. It's to keep this building up. So those were only squares. It wouldn't be here by now. So that, that's the idea. That's the, the idea. You get it? So it's up, in, out. Everybody, up, in, out. Up, in, out. So that's why I'm saying we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. The gospel, the good news, what God has done for us being the app, what we receive from God. And then discipleship is how we get shaped concerning that which we receive from God. And then mission is how we take that out. And as a result of all of this, we have the transformation we are talking about, spiritual, social, economic uh, transformation. Right? So today, I just want us to focus a little bit on the gospel, the good news. Today, we are focusing on up. Now, we, we, I know we are talking about being missional, going out, church begins on Monday, we are on the frontier, right? Amen? Now, the, the, one of the reasons I personally have challenges with the term saved, are you? Saved. Now, saved, I know now savedism is a whole sort of thing out there. There's a truth to it. The problem is it, it, con it connotes safety. The connotation when you say I am saved is I am safe. But how many of you know Jesus did not go up there to the cross, died for our sins, and resurrected to make us safe? Hmm? He didn't die to make us what? Safe. Jesus died not to make us safe. When you read the book of Acts, you read about Peter, Paul, Philip, Stephen, Mary, and all those people. Do you sense a, a sense of safety? They are there living their safe lives. Is that what you see in the Gospels? Is that what you see even in the life of Jesus? No. Jesus did not die to make us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Now you get it. Tell your neighbor I'm not safe. I'm dangerous. Safe people don't change the world. Martin Luther King was not safe. Martin Luther was not safe. Safety is the last thing that, that, that has to do with, uh, with, with this salvation that we've received. Jesus did not die and resurrect to make us safe. He died and resurrected to make us dangerous. And you and I are supposed to be as dangerous as possible until the world changes and aligns with the kingdom of God. Amen. That's why I prefer the term, I'm a follower of Jesus. Because following Jesus is dangerous. Following Jesus is not safe. It's dangerous. Now, of course it is safe in the sense that, you know, it's that, it's that exciting life where, like rather driving, eh? you are always on the edge of danger, but the cars have been created to be very what? Safe. That doesn't make sense. Uh, huh. Woo. <sighs> I love you too. <laughs> Some people have been working towards safety. Keep it safe. Look, the purpose of life is not to safely arrive at death. 
There we go, there we go. Keep it safe, you know. 70, 75, you know. And then you crawl slowly and safely into your coffin and you get buried. Don't ruffle any feathers. That's not the purpose of life. If you're living like that, let me tell you, you already died. The funeral is just taking long to happen. Was David safe? A guy they ask for 100 for skins for, and he brings 200. Look. <laughs> anyway, let's switch it again. So, it's not about safety. It's about being on mission. We are dangerous. We are a movement. And I don't mean like the one you know. We are a movement of the gospel, of discipleship, and mission. We are following Jesus. And it's an exciting walk. It's not in our own strength. It is in his strength. Amen. But how many of you like me in this bid, in this effort to be dangerous and to serve God, you get to a point and you actually end up neglecting the what? The relationship of the one you're serving. You get to a point where, yes, you're, you're doing a lot of great stuff. Yes, you're missional committee, you're preaching, you're on the frontier, you're sharing the gospel, you're serving people. But then, without knowing, your own relationship with God is no longer a priority. It's a priority in your head, but not on your calendar. How many have been there? Yeah. It's a few of us. The rest of you, please pray for us. Pray for us who sometimes forget even to pray because we are trying to change the world. Am I making sense? So, we have to always recalibrate that and go back. Because it says that you are the branches. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And for you to bear fruit consistently, you must be connected to the vine. And sometimes I'm that branch. Which, oops! You, you got what I mean? Like, okay, I'm connected technically, spiritually, theologically, but in action... Sometimes I find myself going, going, going and not paying attention to Jesus. And last, last week I went and saw a guy who reminded me of what it is like to have a relationship with Jesus. Now you'd think you're the pastor. Your relationship with Jesus must be perfect. No! This is a job just like the one you have. So he recommended to me a book which I went and got on Kindle. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's a short, small book. In fact, you can get it. In fact, some people who don't like, who have this bad habit of getting free things instead of buying Probably it's already online, so you can even get a free version. Because it has been around since the 1700s. It's a book which is more than 300 years old. I encourage you to get it. The practice of the presence of God. You know, God is always present with us. But we are not always present with him. God is always present with us, but we are not always present with him. So this book just shows you how we can bring God's presence into our day-to-day -day lives. In the cooking, in the cleaning, in the driving, in, the, in everything that we do. And so today I want us to continue just to focus a little bit more on God and what he has done for us. The gospel. Because the gospel is the key for us to actually have that relationship. He writes here in Romans 1, 16 to 17. Let's read together. He says, for I am not 
ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Ha! This scripture is so pregnant. It's about to give birth. Anyway, so he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, the, the, our first challenge is to define what that is. Why? Because it says, it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, salvation is everything Jesus died to receive for us and give to us. So, just think about anything Jesus has for us. It's in that package of what? Salvation. That includes joy, peace, uh, goodness, uh, healing, deliverance, provision, heaven, right? Uh, sonship, identity, uh, freedom from oppression. What else? Can, can I have more? Hit me with some more things in the package of salvation. Salvation package. People, you've been saved all these years and you don't know what it is that you're enjoying. Uh-huh. More, I had someone shout something other. Uh-huh. Liberty. Uh-huh. Anyway, just think if it's really good and Jesus died for it, it's in there. That's why it says that the communication of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. For you to live out your faith effectively, you must constantly acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ. The righteousness of God. So, if, if salvation is that incredible package, like, awesome, the gospel is the power of God that helps you access that package. Does that make sense? By definition, the word gospel itself actually is not just good news. It's almost too good to be true news. Like right now in your life, what news would you receive and you want to first slap the person who is telling you? And the reason is you're like, if you're lying, if you're lying, <laughs> like, like they had better not be telling a lie because you have an expectation for that thing and it's a great expectation. Your whole life is hindered. You're like, they come and tell you, and like, oh, oh, don't, play. don't play with my emotions. Just don't. You'd better be sure about what you're talking about. For some of you who are in business, it might be that deal. You know that deal that you've been pursuing for 18 months? Five million dollars deal. You're like, they come and say, you've got it. They've put pen on paper. Let's get started. Like the thing which is going to take your business from being here to there. There are many business people here who have those stories of before and after. It might be that one, right? Or if say you've been suffering with some sickness in your body for a few years. And this one time you go to the doctor and he comes out and says, we can't find it. It's not there. You're like, check again. And they check it's not there. You, you're cancer free. It's not, you're like, are you sure? It's not there. For someone, that might be the best news you've been waiting for. For some other people, it might be, the girl said yes. 
for the girl, it might be the boy is talking to me and he's saying all the right things. Huh? What else could it be out there? Let me come up with one which probably can cover most people. A stranger walks up to you and gives you a set of keys. Says, I know you don't know me. But those are the keys to your house. It is in such and such a place. Somewhere either within the boundaries of Kampala Capital City Authority or nearby. You know what I mean? And you're like, no, it's yours. Like, what do you mean it's mine? No, it's your house. No, no. What do you mean it's mine? It's your house. We just want to bless you. What would that make you feel like? Huh? Huh? I was reading this book last week by Chris Vallotton, Poverty, Riches, and Wealth. And it talks about this story when he and his wife had this house. Of course, in America, they, use, they build on mortgages. And they still had a mortgage balance of about $480,000. And then he went and preached in this conference. And then he was praying for people. He prayed for people like for two hours. And then finally, this one last guy is there and he's the last one on the line. He's like, how can I pray for you? He's like, I'm not here for you to pray for me. Uh-huh, what do you want? He's like, God sent me to clear your mortgage. And Chris is like, first go and talk to your pastor about it. And the guy's like, dude, no, please. <laughs> I just want to clear your mortgage. God told me if I clear your mortgage, I can buy whatever boat I want. Please. Like, no, first go talk to your pastor. The guy pursues him until, until, okay, he says, okay, you've cleared it with your spiritual leaders. Here is my account. And he just cleared the mortgage. $480,000. And a week later, I sent him a picture of a boat. He's like, I finally got the boat I wanted. <laughs> what is good news to you? Right? The, the gospel, you know, when you hear it right, it should make your heart like. <sighs> but you know, the, the gospel is almost too good to be true news. Now, all the things I've described, huh? I hope you're feeling good about the things I've described. If you're feeling terrible about anything I've just been talking about, you need to come and see me in my office. Okay. But <laughs> all the things I've just described, the girl said yes, the boy is talking, what? All of that stuff, nothing compares to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The good news of sonship, of being adopted as God's own children. Nothing compared. But we preachers, we've turned the thing on its head. People don't even want to hear it anymore. It's like if I was coming to tell you that you are in Bill Gates' will, why would that be a bad thing? Why are you running away from me? Okay, okay, let's now make it real. So, Penny, we saw Bill Gates' will. Your name is there. You are in Bill Gates' what? Will. How is that going to make you feel? Huh? Right? Okay, let's, let's assume it was really true. Would you sleep that night? You would not sleep. You would be thinking, what does it mean? Now, meanwhile, you haven't even yet checked to find out in that will, what, 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 what are you going to be given? No, just the fact that you appear in Bill Gates' will eh, is sufficient for you 
you start walking around with swag. <laughs> Jesus! But that's Bill Gates we are talking about. How if I told you you are in God's will? And unlike Bill Gates' will, this one, it's for real. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If we think it's exciting to be in Bill Gates' will, a guy who owns one of the biggest companies on this planet, how about being the will of the guy for whom this planet is a tiny speck? Have you seen those videos of the universe? Like the earth just disappears. For you to continue to see it, you must use equipment. It's like, if God hadn't come and we know he's everywhere and he lives here, if he was human, he would have to use the most sophisticated equipment to see the planet we live on. Because it's so small. It's just a tiny, whiny speck in his larger scheme of things. And then they come and tell you, you're in his will. That's the good news. That is salvation. Uh, anyway, you've chosen quietness today. It's okay. The gospel. Look at what he says in Second Timothy. He says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, I can't hear you, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the what? In other words, life and immortality are there. If you came to Christ, you've already received it. Says he who believes me will never die. He has abolished death. Like my school teacher used to say. When an Christian goes, you started your bidding as if God has just abolished death. Anyway, you didn't hear. Every time I read this scripture, I think of Mr. Chedia. He would come to assembly, and those days when there was no shedding, when power chopped during prep, people would celebrate because they now no reading. Then he would come and lambast us. Looks like we are raising the compupsy. <laughs> Some of you can burn When the next Christian went, you You started the jubilating as if God has just abolished this. Ask your neighbor to interpret for you if you if you can't click that link. <laughs> so, life and immortality are brought to light. They are revealed. They are made visible. They are made accessible by what? The gospel. If the gospel is that good, then we'd better find out what it is. We'd better find out what it is. What is it? Look at what Paul writes. We start getting a glimpse of what the gospel is when we see what Paul writes to the Galatians. What does he say? Uh -huh. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you carefully, carefully, uh-huh. In the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So you know Paul wrote many letters. You go and read all of them. 
in all the others, including down to the Corinthians, who really were a mess. The greetings are long and friendly. And then he starts addressing the issues. He sort of chops wires later. Down to the Philippians, he doesn't even chop any wires. It's the, it's the friendliest letter from Paul. Corinthians is correcting, 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 correcting. They were too carnal. Galatians, they were legalistic. Verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. I marvel. He's immediately kicks in. Like, dudes! Why? Because the Galatians had received the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they could be saved. And then some people came and told them, no, it's not enough. You have to be circumcised and you have to keep the law in order for you to experience Christ. And now Paul is writing back. Like, I marvel that you're turning away from him who called you. How did he call you? In the grace of Christ. I need you to connect the dots. Manange, heads are switched on, right? In the grace, let me take you back briefly. You're going to see the connection. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? How is the holy calling? Not according to our works, but according to his own, read carefully, purpose and grace. Who called you in the grace of Christ to another gospel? In other words, once you exit the grace of Christ, whatever you're going into is another gospel. And he says, which is not another, <laughs> but those who want to pervert. So, the moment it is not about the grace of God, it is a perversion. Anytime anyone comes and tells you, for you to be born again, for you to receive the blessings of God, for you to be adopted as God's own son and daughter, it's not enough to believe. There is the following things that you must do. That's a perversion. I really wanted to make myself clear this morning. Come afternoon. That's a perversion. It's a perversion for you and I to think that there is anything we can do to get God to love us more. Or to love us less for that matter. It's a what? A perversion. Yes, as a result of what God has done for us, we walk in obedience. We, we bless him. We study the word. We reach out. We minister to people. We preach the gospel. We serve in our workplaces. We have excellent customer care. We have all of that stuff because of what Jesus has done. We don't do all of that to be able to have what Jesus has done. Anytime your behavior becomes the catalyst for how God relates with you, that's a perversion. The true gospel is in the grace of Christ. Unmerited. Undeserved. Unearned. But freely given. Now, as to whether we abuse that or walk in it the way it is supposed to be, that's a completely different issue. That's not what I'm dealing with today. That's in Romans 6. Right now we are dealing with, let's not pervert the gospel. Because we are a movement of the gospel. Can you imagine worship harvest without the grace of God? Any imagination in that direction looks like a nightmare, right? I hope it does for you. Look at what Paul says in Acts 20, 24. Let's read together. He says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel 
of the grace of God. To testify to the what? Gospel of the grace of God. Only the grace of God is really almost too good to be true news when it comes to this matter. Everything else that requires a lot of your own work, no, 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 no. Now, let's go back. And all of this is to show you that one, the gospel is the grace of God, but that also the gospel is what releases life in its fullness. What Christ has done. Look at what he says in 2032. Uh-huh, together. Let's read together. This time, let's read together with uh, so, see, yeah, Zim. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Which word? The word of his grace. Which word? The word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It is only the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The word of his grace gives you an inheritance. Are you connecting the dots? Are you connecting the dots? Ha, ha, ha. I love you too. Romans 5.17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive what? Abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall what? Reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. I'm one of those people who don't fear questioning, so I hope you can join me. Whatever you've believed, how is it working for you? Because when it comes to matters of faith, people are not willing to examine the evidence. But whatever you've believed, how is it working for you? Because this one says, abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, what will happen? We shall reign in life. It's not barely make it through life. Now, it doesn't say you will not have problems. No, that's not what I'm saying. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have what? Many troubles. It didn't even say few. Many. But like one guy wrote on his Twitter handle, I don't remember who he was. He says, the storm, I think it was, I think it was even one of those marvel things. But the storm was coming for me. Then it realized I was the storm. Like when the devil puts together his best missiles to send your way. And then they realize, no, no. No. <laughs> Abort mission. <laughs> Wrong target. <laughs> the person we are targeting, bam, yeah. Reign in life in spite of all life's challenges. Reign in life. In other words, royalty regardless. Royalty regardless. What makes that possible? Abundance of grace. reading this incredible book by a Catholic priest called Father James Malone. 
And I came across this on, on one of the pages and I was like, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. Because everything that I've described, every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us, you know what makes all of it possible? The person of Jesus. The person of Jesus. Like, it's, like we can get excited about everything else, but the moment we don't get excited about the person of Jesus, then we've lost it. We've lost the plot. Look what he says. Let's, this one, let's read together. Uh-huh. He says, we can speak of the message of God with us, of God's kingdom or reign, of God's mercy, of God's unconditional love being revealed on the cross, and of the defeat of death through the resurrection of Jesus. But in the end, it is possible to simplify the message in one word, Jesus. We know in the Gospels that he who was the proclaimer of the good news of the kingdom becomes the good news and the embodiment of the kingdom. When, when you grind it down to its smallest detail, even all this argument that the gospel is the grace of God, which is really what the Bible says, and what it can do, all of it, by the time you wipe all of that away and you go down to the base, to the core, you'll find that the good news really is a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the good news. Because when you have Jesus, I mean, it's like asking a, a child, between having lots of candy and ice cream in the fridge and everything you want in the home and having your father and mother, what is better? Huh? Now I hope you've been training your children well. Because if they choose the fridge over you, it never ceases to amaze me every time I ask the kids when we are going to school that, okay, everyone, you're going to give thanks for three things. Today, what are you thankful for? Always, I'm thankful for mommy and daddy. Always. Then they add to others. Those, the mommy and daddy are always in the thanksgiving list. Because I think they recognize that everything else they could ever give thanks for would not be possible without mommy and daddy. Everything else that Jesus has done for us would never be possible without Jesus. For no other foundation can anyone lay that that which is laid. Christ Jesus. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the life shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Play that clip about Jesus. So what are we to make of Jesus? It seems to me clear that Jesus really did claim to be a man whose identity was God. And when we look at the evidence of his teaching, his life, his character, his fulfillment of prophecy, his resurrection, to say he was insane or a fraud seems to me absurd, illogical, actually unbelievable. On the other hand, it provides the strongest possible supporting evidence that what Jesus said about himself was true. And when I looked at the evidence, when I read the New Testament, I came to the conclusion, it is true. I didn't want to become a Christian because I thought if I became a Christian, life would be totally miserable from that moment onward. So I tried to put it off. I thought I'll put off becoming a Christian to my deathbed. And then I realized that would not be intellectually honest. So very reluctantly, I kind of said, okay. Yes. And at that moment, I can still remember that moment so clearly. It dropped from here, from my head, being convinced it was true, to here in my heart, having an experience of a relationship with Jesus. And finding 
what, I guess looking back, unconsciously, I'd been searching for all my life. Something that provided ultimate meaning and purpose to my life. It was the very last place on earth that I expected to find it. But at that moment, I found that what Jesus said was true. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. It really is true that God has revealed himself in Jesus. Jesus really is who he claimed to be. Jesus really did rise from the dead. There is hope beyond this life. There is hope for this life. Right now, in this life, in an encounter with Jesus, we find life and life in all its fullness. Amen. We find life and life in all its fullness. Says for it pleases the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile things to himself, by him whether things on earth or in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. His name is Jesus. Why don't we bow and pray? Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0312-281-555.